When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sowing the seeds of cannabis and sounding the praise of our favorite plants, it's time to Hemp Resent. Our radio resident Hempo sapien Vivian McPeak will present a weekly platform for guests and listeners to Hemp Resent about hemp and cannabis from the legal, activist, and reformist route. Let's round up and roll it up for our headmaster of hemp, Vivian McPeak. Welcome to Hemp Present, the weekly radio show where you can get your PhD in THC because you don't just want to burn it, you want to learn it. Seeking to defeat prohibition one interview at a time and advocating for the plant, the whole plant, and nothing but the plant. Join me for a weekly reefer radio rebellion against prohibition as I speak with some of the principal risk takers, movers and shakers, and history makers of the cannabis industry, culture, and reform movement. I'm your host, Vivian McPeak, but you can call me Grandmaster Stash or Papaganja of the Propaganja. I'm the executive director of the world's largest annual cannabis policy reform event, the Seattle Hemp Fest, entering its 25th year found at HempFest.org. I'm also the author of the book, Protestable, a 20-year retrospective of Seattle Hemp Fest from AHA Publishing. Transmitting from a heavily fortified hempcrete bunker under a dilapidated and ramshackle radio warren at an undisclosed location deep within the rumbling bowels of underground Seattle, my goal is to spread the green flame of 420 truth increments. Today's guest on Hemp Present is author, editor, videographer, and counterculture personality Steve Hager, who will join me in just a few minutes for some cannabis confabulation. But first, a word from my undulating touch of gray matter. As I've stated before on this show, I believe that cannabis prohibition is merely a symptom of what essentially could be described as a war against the natural world. We see it almost everywhere. Where humanity used to employ natural, renewable, sustainable, and non-toxic materials, we now have artificial, chemically laden, non-sustainable materials in their place in almost every walk of life. Whether it's our food, our air, our water, or our medicine, even our media, whether it is in agriculture or industry, unnatural, unhealthy, and unsustainable resources are often the norm. Our already overfished, polluted oceans are incrementally dying as trillions of tiny pellets of plastic migrate through our seas, killing wildlife. Lost drift nets snare dolphins and whales lucky enough to avoid the oil slicks and other chemical toxins found on many coastal areas that are killing our precious coral reefs. The food we eat when not genetically modified to tolerate poisonous pesticides or laden with hormones and antibiotics is mostly fiberless overprocessed matter that has had the essential enzymes and often the nutritional content destroyed or corrupted. The originally plant-derived pharmacopoeia, our mainstream medicinal arsenal, has been littered with chemicals called medicines by pharmaceutical companies that employ Frankenstein scientists in an effort to fleece us all 
at our most desperate times of our lives. The side effects of these medicines often read as a list of every malady known to humankind and which kill 100,000 humans annually who have used them as directed. We are offered reality TV shows and a very liberal usage of the word reality that glorify commercial logging and deep-sea fishing operations or private gold mining operations that scar and mar the earth or offer us entertainment in the form of witnessing some derelict shooting alligators in the head in some backwoods swamp. And now humanity enters a new period where our own advancements as a civilized species threaten to change global climate patterns in ways that could very well threaten the existence of most, if not all, plants and animals within a century or two. We inhabit the most beautiful and sacred, the most spectacular and unprecedented, the most phenomenal living planet in the known universe. And for some... She's not much more than an ashtray or an extravagant landfill. Some philosophies teach that humankind has been granted dominion over the earth. To me, that's tantamount to being granted permission to violate one's own mother, possibly one of the greatest moral sins a human can commit. I believe the earth is a living entity, a living Gaia, as she has a warm body with lungs, a bloodstream, and like all living things, parasitical hitchhikers who are just as much a part of her as they are separate. Cannabis is an opportunity to be reminded that nature is anything but our enemy to be conquered unless we seek absolute and total self-annihilation. Cannabis, through the rooted wisdom of its DNA, talks to us through our cannabinoid receptors as nature's spokesplant and offers us a message of redemption and the awareness of our existentially crucial connection to the natural world. Shifting gears to some degree, my guest today has accomplished much in advancing the cause of cannabis and many other natural substances that offer us insights, reflection, and introspection, as well as just an occasional damn good time. Steve Hager is an American writer, journalist, filmmaker, counterculture personality, and cannabis activist. Hager became the editor of High Times Magazine in 1988, where he removed the hard drugs from the nefarious publication to focus on natural substances like cannabis, psilocybin mushrooms and peyote. Hager then went on to found the Freedom Fighters called the First Hemp Legalization Group as well as the High Times Cannabis Cup traditionally or at least originally held annually in Amsterdam. He is the author of numerous books including his first book, Hip Hop, one of the first publications if not the first to definitively examine what at the time was a burgeoning yet nascent cultural phenomenon. Hager has played himself on the Showtime TV show Weeds, and he is playing himself today as well here on Hemp Present on Cannabis Radio. Welcome, Steve. It's great to have you on the show. I hope you're well. Well, thanks for the wonderful introduction, Vivian. You're quite the wordsmith yourself, I must admit. <laughs> thanks, man. It's been a long time, Steve, well over a decade. There's so much to cover. I think that you can take as much credit as anyone for cultivating the global cannabis culture during your years at High Times Magazine, where you were the editor for many years. How do you feel about where things are at today? How would you characterize the state of the cannabis cause? Are you excited about the advancements that have been made so far? I think we live in the most incredible time on Earth. And, you know, there's such an opportunity now for something really wonderful to take place. But at the same time, I recognize that the same forces have really controlled our situation for a long time. And, you know, we're not, we don't have a real democracy. It's not never going to come easy. Between the, the Internet and cannabis legalization, I think we can forge a trail to get there. Yeah, we don't really have a real media either, which is why it's so, so great that the alternative media is starting to burgeon. When you took over the helm at high times in the late 80s, you pretty much rid the magazine of centerfolds with huge rocks of cocaine or images of heroin and other hard drugs to instead focus on plants and herbs like cannabis. Why did you choose to do that, Steve, and did you get any pushback? Well, when I arrived, there was nothing there. Everything, everybody had been fired, and, you know, it, it was about to go under. 
the operation was over, and there wasn't much hope for anything. And, you know, Len Bias had died from uh, supposed cocaine intoxication, and it was a tremendous, kind of like the outcry against terrorism you feel right now. That was the outcry against high times, you know what I mean, which had really, you know, descended into the darkness. It, it was really pushing hard drugs and, you know, really, it just got, it got a really nasty vibe to it, you know, so, so, and everyone's fired. So I, I, I walked into a totally clean slate and, and I, I just hired the most, you know, interesting people I knew in New York to come work with me. People like John Holmstrom, who created Punk Magazine and yeah. reading the manuscripts that had been left unread in the office. I picked up this guy, Peter Gorman, and he had sent in a manuscript about going to take ayahuasca in South America. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. I'm going to call this guy up. You know, he was, and he had, the magazine had sat, the manuscript had sat at the magazine for probably six months or more. And so, you know, I, I know Peter was surprised to suddenly hear from me, like, hey, you know, I want to print your story. Come on down. I want to talk to you. And he ended up being my executive editor, really the best one I ever had. But, you know, it was just a party magazine we showed up. I didn't know anything better than that. So we were like, yeah, let's have a big party. Pot's fun. Let's have a party. But, uh, you know, after I created the cannabis stuff, which was like the first year I was there, I suddenly I felt this obligation to kind of like investigate the history of ceremonial use. So we could kind of honor the tradition of our ancestors. I thought, yeah, let's go on. Let's find out what kind of party they had, and then let's try to emulate that so we can raise their spirits. And right. that voyage to try and figure out how to throw a proper cannabis cup took me back to the Rig Veda in India and the Avesta in Persia and learning about the Sakas and how they dominated the world for thousands of years and nobody, there's a forgotten tribe and they, you know, they're the origins of the Amazon myth and all this other stuff. And they created the most amazing art of their time. They tattooed themselves before anybody else. They domesticated the horse, for God's sake. You know what I mean? It's like they invented the composite bow, the AK-47 of its time. And it's like nobody even knows about these people because they were the first stoners. (laughs) That's why. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, you know, I'm writing a book right now about the history of religion. I'm going to set everybody straight about what really happened because there's so much disinformation and misinformation. Yeah. But basically... Stoners rule magic and religion. It's our creation, our invention, and there are myths, there are sigils. We created them, so we need to take them back. You know, I was 16 years old in 1974 when High Times came out. I got the very first issue at the local head shop in Lake Tahoe, and I have to tell you, it it helped to change my life. Great publication in many ways, especially back then in that period. Your first book was an examination of the nascent hip-hop movement at the time. Did you expect hip-hop music and culture to become the mainstream industry and cultural phenomenon that it is today? I mean, uh, did you see that coming, Steve, and how has it changed since then? Well, actually, the first time the words hip-hop appear in print in a national publication is my cover story of Africa Mambada and the Village Voice. I think that's 1981. At that time, I say, this is going to take over the world. So, yeah, I knew it, but you know what? Everybody else in the media was telling me it was bad and it was going to burn out. So the thing was different for me was I came from the Midwest. I had started my own underground newspaper when I was in high school in central Illinois. It became the biggest underground newspaper in central Illinois. And then I came to New York City only because I was following my girlfriend. 
who was an artist who wanted to come to New York. So I ended up in New York City, and I'm looking around, and I see graffiti on the subway trains. I see the guys with the ghetto blasters. I see all this stuff going on, and I see that it's not talked about anywhere in the media. So because I'm a young journalist, what I saw was an opportunity. Nobody's, you know, investigating this. So let me investigate it. So for the first two or three years, I was the only reporter on the story. Nobody else. And the guys, a lot of the guys who created hip-hop, they really never cashed in. They don't really get a lot of credit these days. But I'm still friends with them. This is the only people I hang out with. I'm a rock and roll guy. I didn't really stay with hip-hop. But I went and investigated now all the original guys. Eventually, I came to a realization that, you know, any 50 people can create a worldwide global phenomenal cultural revolution. Any 50 people. It's 50 people who are innovators, performers, artists, dancers, musicians. And it takes another 500 to be their audience. But that's basically all you had at Congo Square, which invented blues, jazz, and rock and roll. And that's all you had up in the South Bronx that invented hip-hop. You had 50 innovators, you had an audience of 500. You know, what it tells me is that anytime people want to harmonize, respect all cultures, unify, collect that kind of hybrid vigor that comes from, you know, allowing everybody into the circle and doing it in a righteous manner, you can create a cultural innovation. That's all it takes. I am talking to Steve Hager on Cannabis Radio, and we're going to take a quick pause for the cause because there's flaws and laws and come right back with more cannabis confabulation. So stay with us. Time to roll out for the people that let us have present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. Your connection to quality cannabis insurance services is spelled A-A-E-R-C-H-E-R. That's Karcher Insurance. We have worked with ventures like cannabis for over 60 years. We're proud to represent over 50 companies with tailor-made business plans for owners just like you to insure your product, your plants, and your pursuits. K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R spells out their full-service insurance services, ranging from commercial to bonds, to personal, from life to health, and more. Contact the team at CarterInsurance.com and let our experience work for you. That's K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R Insurance.com. Contact Karen and the team at Carter Insurance at 1-844-421-3560. That's 844-421-3560. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. Educator, author, and advocate, Dr. Mitch Earlywine is here to tackle the burning issues. And I'm here to clear up the myths about cannabis and burn them away with science. CannabisRadio.com presents a no-holds-barred platform that seeks to redefine and revolutionize the entire scope of the cannabis culture while opening the door for more to join the cannabis crusade. Dr. Kevin Hill. You can't ignore the fact that, like alcohol, most people who use don't have a problem, so I think that you need to think about policy in that way while educating people properly about marijuana. I think that's the way to go. Burning Issues, only on CannabisRadio.com. 
We're back to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. And we are back on Hemp Present on Cannabis Radio, talking with Stephen Hager. Steve, I once read that you were not much of a pot smoker until you were hired at High Times. Do you use cannabis currently? Yeah, I do now. I shouldn't say that, you know, as a parent. Got any favorite strains? Are you an indica or a sativa guy? I like whatever tastes really good. And <laughs> You're in, like New York, in New York, in New York, that's often sour diesel or sour ray cough or some, uh-huh. sometimes Ken Dog. But it ain't really about the name of the strain so much as who grew it and what are the circumstances and how much love did they put into it. Yeah. So, you know, there's there's a number of great strains that you can turn into something really, really tasteful. <laughs> but I, I'm not obsessed with, you know, getting super whacked out. I don't do dabs. What I want to do is I want to take a, a, a tiny puff once in a while to sort of like aid me in my mission to, you know, do whatever I'm doing. So I don't want to get to the point where I'm off point. So to me, that's, that's the whole lesson of the whole thing is learning how to respect the plant, moderate it. And sometimes it's okay to gorge out like at the cannabis cup, you know, it's, it's inevitable, but there are certain times when you don't want to be high, you know, and you got to recognize those times. I'm pretty much like you, Steve. I'm an old schooler, but every once in a while I say dab nugget and I dab a nugget. <laughs> you, you started the Freedom Fighters, and you know I, I take every opportunity to mention that I was High Times Freedom Fighter of the Month in October '96 and Freedom Fighter of the Year in 2001. What was the idea behind the Freedom Fighters? What was Actually, the spark behind that? It's going to sound weird, but I'll just give you the true story, which was when I came to High Times, there was nothing there, and I had to invent some content. And so what I did was I invented a column called My America with a K. And it was a parody of a column in the Weekly World News by a guy named Ed Anger. But I called this My America by Ed Hassel instead of Ed Anger. So I was just goofing on the Weekly World News, basically. And the fact that this right-wing character was always ranting, he was always mad about some liberal bullshit. So I was basically channeling a hippie fascist, you know, basically getting <laughs> mad because... Whatever, you know what I mean? Just like typical, you know, you know, go to a deadhead and find some guy, uh, and find some guy screaming. You know what I mean? That's what I, the energy I was trying to, you know, <laughs> grab. And by the way, I told the art director, I said, I want to make a cartoon of the guy. I said, make him look like Ed Rosenthal with long hair. <laughs> <laughs> so it was Ed Hassel's idea to create the Freedom Fighters, to restart the movement around him. He's the one who called for it. And he actually called for everybody to go to Ann Arbor because the annual hash bash had disintegrated to like four people standing on the diag. And so he said, we can't let this happen. You know, we must gather. And by the way, he came up with the idea of wearing tricorner hat because we needed to grab the imagery of the revolution and claim it for ourselves. And I didn't even realize what I was doing at the time, but this suddenly overnight became the biggest movement. I mean, it was the biggest thing in cannabis for three years until, you know, my company made me shut it down. It was way bigger than anything else. And it inspired all these people. It started as this goof, and it just (laughs) became this movement. But then I kind of realized, hey, this is this is real serious magic. And I know that, you know, you and your crowd, you guys do real serious magic. 
You know what I mean? You understand how it works. And the counterculture has been a reservoir for understanding how this energy, telepathic energies and magic really work. And what I was doing, I didn't know it consciously, but I was actually stealing the magic of the Reagan right wing. I was stealing the flag and the Revolutionary War symbols away from them. And for a while, until the Tea Party came, we had them. So anybody... Yeah, can, yeah, some of those Tea Party guys, uh, you could be confused for a, uh, a High Times Freedom Fighter in their garb anyway. You, you, you yeah, know, I share... exactly. They stole the look. They stole yeah, everything. Yeah, but it's yeah like, they stole you know, the magic, right? They're stealing the magic. Yeah, just, they stole it around. back. They stole it back, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, Steve, you and I share a reverence for a person who I see in many ways as a mentor of mine, Stephen Gaskin, the founder of the Farm Commune in Summertown, Tennessee, an agrarian counterculture commune founded in the early 70s that reached its zenith in the 80s, although the remnants still exist today in the form of a tight-knit community of aging hipsters and their progeny. Can you share some of your thoughts about Stephen Gaskin, who sadly passed away last year? Well, you know, Stephen was one of my mentors, like he is with you. The people I really studied under, it's a very small list, you know, it was Ken Kesey and Ken Babs and Mountain Girl up in Oregon. You know, the Gaskins, both of them. Ina May and Stephen, yeah, yeah, in uh, you know down in near Memphis, and uh, and and Wavy Gravy, you know what I mean? It's like and 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 Paul Krasner. And those those are really the people that I invested a lot of time and energy in getting to know and writing about them, producing documentaries about them, you know, kind of like carrying their flag forward. You know, you know, Stephen and I bonded some similar the way Jack Carrera and I bonded. You know what I mean? So like a father figure to me and he uh, officiated my wedding ceremony you know you know it's very tragic what happened to Stephen yeah the story of what happened he was basically you know overthrown by his own community and they tried to steal everything from him and then late in life he was he had to leave the community it kind of shows to me I know lots of people that were really really righteous that tried to form communes and none of it worked out what a challenge Steve, when you became the editor of High Times Magazine, Ronald Reagan was the president and America was in the grip of a conservative revolution. Were you guys ever paranoid about what you were doing? Did you ever hear from the government? You must have a wild story or two you can bust out. (laughs) Okay, well, after I started the Freedom Fighters, I got a letter in the mail. And it was from somebody who said they were a Freedom Fighter and they were going to kill the president. (laughs) And they, they also indicated they sent copies of the letter to Normal in Washington, D.C. So I was just kind of a foolish kid at the time. And when I got that letter, I just felt like somebody was trying to implicate me and she'd get me into some really nasty scene. And I just destroyed it. People in normal did the uh, responsible thing. They gave it to the Secret Service. Right, right. Within a few weeks, all the Freedom Fighter chapter heads are, like, broken into. And membership information is all removed. And, you know, and my home was broken into. So this was all illegal break-ins. Interesting. So, and a lot of people that were involved in the Freedom Fighters, because it started out like this big party, at that point they kind of resigned. You know, it's like, this is too, this is too scary. Right. So, and, and you know, this, this is a long time ago. And, and things have gotten a lot worse. So, you know, we got kind of a wake-up call that, you know, we were just kind of playing around. But actually, when you do get to the situation where you got like 10,000 people on your mailing list and stuff like that, they do come calling. You know what I mean? It's, it's inevitable. So you have to you have to devise a way to deal with it. And and I fortunately I stumbled into National Rainbow Family Gatherings, and that's what really kind of like 
took me to a different level. I got to take a quick break. I'm talking to Steve Hager. Uh, I'm going to take a quick more pause for the cause because flaws and laws. I want to come back and ask you about. I had a my last question for you, and uh, it's going to be about the Rainbow Gathering. So stick with us, folks. Come right back with more from Steve Hager. Time to roll out for the people that let us have present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. Dr. Dabber, hurry! Its temperature is shooting past a thousand degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up! I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct! Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber, doctor's order. Less heat, more flavor. MJWellness.com, the largest medical marijuana community in the world. Connect with thousands of patients, doctors, industry leaders, and businesses through shared personal experiences along our worldwide network. Discover new therapies and benefits with content tailored to you. Come grow your network on MJWellness.com. You're not alone. Your wellness matters. Learn, live, and thrive. Check out mjwellness.com today. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently to improve our well-being. Take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. It could be you could be 80 years old or 8 years old. You can still learn something that's going to make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better. The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com. We're back to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. And we are back on Hemp Present on Cannabis Radio with Steve Hager. I want to dive right back in because we don't have much time. Steve, as a lifelong avowed traditional American hippie uh, and rainbow family of Living Light member, it's often surreal for me as it is challenging to grow old in this day and age in a society that largely discounts the simple values and messages of our culture. How deeply do you think the 60s counterculture affected this world? And do you see the 60s as a work in progress as I do, as a ripple in still water touching our world every day, whether others know it or not? Well, you know, I was at Woodstock. I was at the hill there on Woodstock. I got zapped. And then I uh, had to go back, go to school, get a profession, get a job. And it was many, many years later when I stumbled into a National Rainbow Family Gathering, and lo and behold, the zap, the energy, it's all here. It's all still going. So it was like, to me, it was a big awakening that, that damn, it didn't die, and, and also that we can keep it alive. It doesn't matter how many of us there are. We can keep the values alive, and there's something very precious to pass down to the next generation. We're awash with violence and pornography and all of this shit, you know, it's like, yeah, life is changing fast, and you know what, the millennials don't care about the past, because they can see it's all about the future, it's all about who can make the next software happen, so they don't respect the past anymore, I understand so that, true. So I true. understand that, you can't blame them for feeling like that, but at the same time, at the end of the day, they're going to get tired of the violence, the war, the pornography, this shit is going to rain down on them and make them feel bad at the end of the day, like taking too much cocaine. 
So we can, are the pan. Where can people find out more about you and your good work, Steve? Oh, I'm all over uh, Facebook, and you know I've got a blog on WordPress. And hey, uh, my latest book is called Killing Lincoln, which is really a you know an eye-opening book into politics in the early days of America. So I'm easy to find. I've got like you know amazing amount of material out there. A lot of it's free. So anybody wants it, hook up. The work you've done, uh, you know, I, I, I look to you as one of the tribal leaders of our culture. Man, coming from you, that, that means everything to me, Steve. Thank you. So I could talk to you all day. It's been a long time, bro. Thanks for being on the show. I really enjoyed it. I'll have to bring you back again. All right. My pleasure. Peace. Now I want to get to a weekly feature on That is the quote of the week, and here it goes. People demand freedom of speech as a compensation for the freedom of thought, which they seldom use. And that is Soren Kierkegaard. This concludes this installment of Cannabis Radio Hemp Present. Wait, put down that graphics bomb, that sticky dab rig, or that massive spliff of blue magoo. I want you to grab a pen and paper because when I want to hear from you, email me at hemppresent at gmail.com with suggestions, comments, questions, and ideas on how I can get words out of my mouth. Because I'm going to give that email to you in another couple seconds. I want to thank my beautiful peeps in the control room, Brasco and Hannah, my handsome sponsors, my good-looking producers. Join me next week for another Reefer Radio rendezvous with some hempy hero on a journey for justice. And for any of you red-eyed Jedis out there that operate a cannabis business, if you're smelling what we're selling here on Hemp Present, you can become a proud sponsor of our Reefer Repartee and get your brand in the hand of the man with a plan. Because when it comes to prohibition, you have the right not to remain silent. Activism requires a voice, so find yours and speak up for justice because resistance is fertile. Tile. Until then, my friends, stay strong, stand tall, toke it easy. And don't forget to email me at hempresent at gmail.com. Chill them all and let Ganja sort them out. Turn up the music, maestro. I'm Audi. Marijuana! THC! Sweet sativa! The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.